Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more, from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, we'll talk about Swedish mobility company Lincoln Co.'s new retail concepts. We go behind the scenes of our cover story with Google designer Isabel Olsson, and we'll talk about Scandinavian Mind's upcoming activities in Dubai. I'm Conrad Olsson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleagues Roland Philipp Kretschmar, editor-at-large for Future and Digitization, and Erik Sedin, our junior editor and all-around content producer. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Conrad. So uh, maybe just a few words on this new format. I'm really excited about this. It's something that you and I have talked about, Roland, and, and also... Uh, you and I, Eric, to have a little bit of a more relaxed show from the inside of Scandinavian Mind. There's so much things happening uh, that we are covering, that we are observing. Uh, so to sort of complement our interview uh, show, we'll do this uh, kind of behind the scenes show of our editorial world. So uh, with that, on that note, just uh, I'm just curious what you guys been up to the, the past week. Roland, uh, how's your week been? Ah, oh, it's busy as usual. You know, it's 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 full on now. Um, October soon getting into darkness, <laughs> Scandinavian darkness. Maybe that's another podcast <laughs> for sure. So, uh, but uh, some enlightening things uh, during the past week are um, the gallery season is open again. Uh, I, I mean, we're based in Stockholm, Sweden. Last week there were a lot of openings, a lot of shows ongoing. Actually, uh, Freeze uh, is opening in London this week. You know, art is. Is kind of back and also physical exhibitions are back so i'm pretty excited about that online viewing works well but uh, uh, physical experience of art is is always better and actually i would like to highlight um one exhibition uh that is uh ongoing in stockholm at the moment at cfil it's a it's a an amazing art space in in, in central stockholm and there's a, an exhibition ongoing that's called skooks promenade so basically, uh, walking in the woods um, in, in English, and it, it, it's a collective exhibition with a lot of big names from, from the Scandinavian space. I mean, Anne Böttcher, Christine Erdlund, um, Karsten Heller, Johan Turfiel, etc. So, uh, you know, premium artists that are all kind of exploring the interconnection uh, that we have as humans with nature. Mm. And uh, it's quite interesting to observe throughout history the, the role that nature has played, you know, in humanity. And, you know, if, if we look back uh, a couple of hundred, maybe a thousand years, um, the, the people were afraid of nature. You know, it, it was uh, kind of going into the dark woods. That was a big no, you know, and you can find that in the folklore, obviously, you know, that uh, we scared kids, you know, that if you go into the woods, you will be eaten by the wolves. So maybe that happened, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but obviously, um, uh, I, maybe since the Enlightenment, end of 18th century and onwards, uh, the relationship to nature has evolved. And I, I, now we really embrace nature. And I think this is going to increase even more. Uh, the, the more we get uh, online, the more we get digitized connected, um, interconnected with each other. We need uh, a clean break also. We need to um, 
kind of uh, use nature as a way of cleansing ourselves for meditation, for sports, running, for uh, hanging out with our friends and family. And I think all of this you, you can experience in the exhibition at CF Hill. Um, so so I, I would say that's a, a big recommendation to all our listeners that, that, that are uh, in Stockholm or passing by Stockholm in the right. next month. So na nature has made, has made a comeback as a positive force <laughs> in society. <laughs> well, I think nature is here to stay. <laughs> nature is here to stay. <laughs> I, lo I love that. So any other, what's, what was the vibe at the exhibition? You're saying we're, we're back at physical format. So anyone who's, who's following uh, Roland at, at social media knows it's a big uh, art aficionado. Um, what are people talking about uh, at these events? Uh, I, I think uh, it's not only in the art in the art scene. I think it's in general. It's just just meeting up is exciting. Mm. People, people are smiling. I never seen so many smiles and laughter at an art event. You know, <laughs> sometimes there are quite uh, difficult these events. You know, uh, people try to be cooler than others, etc. But I, I think it was a very relaxed um, uh, vibe. Uh, and you know, this is something I also see in the restaurant scene or in the bar scene everywhere. I mean people are quite relaxed and also all the restaurateurs and, uh, and galleries are, are saying the same thing. Uh, people are just happy to be out. Mm. Wonderful. Eric Sedin, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. I want to start with thinking this is a great idea. We have to lift up some steam sometimes because we have a lot going on. Like you said, <laughs> platform is booming. Yeah, we, we sure do. And, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the, the most recurring feedbacks we have with Scandinavian Mind is just uh, the, the velocity of content that we produce. And, and with that, I think there are still things that are left unsaid and, and something that we can uh, pick up on in, in this sort of more relaxed uh, audio format. So uh, from the sort of editorial desk, what have you been up to uh, lately? Quite opposite from nature. I want to take us back to the comfort of the screen and uh, gaming. <laughs> That I do write about sometimes uh, and most recently IKEA did their first might be the first gaming uh, collection from a big design company ever I think mm. uh, where IKEA is an official uh, gaming collection in team with Republic of Gamers that is, that's an Asus company I guess so yeah and I think it's really interesting because gaming furniture has always looked really like neon colors black I don't know if you have kids have you just seen their <laughs> Their aesthetic, how it looks, and it could be quite hard to integrate that to your home. But now IKEA is doing something here. They're not really there, but you know they have these like Scandinavian color schemes of gray and beige and white. And you can, you can, I think it's with this drop, it's a bit easier to make it fit into your home and not just have this like gaming corner that just ruins the whole life. Yeah, and yet it's the hardware basically that you that that is then designed in a in a way where it kind of blends into the home or. Uh, they have uh, gaming chairs, they have desks, um, they also have these like uh, selfie rings, you know, for streaming, that looks kind of nice, those one looks really awful usually, so, and then they have like this really cool um, head uh, headphone stand, usually headphones, you just throw them on the desk and it looks terrible, and the headphones are usually also really terrible, <laughs> green, like neon green or pink or something, this, it looks nice, I think IKEA is onto something. Well, I think if you put it in the macro, I think I read somewhere that there are 3 billion gamers in the world today. So maybe not everyone is the target group for this furniture, but it's, it amazes me how little 
uh, we, we consider uh, gaming culture as part of the mainstream. I mean, it, it, it couldn't be more mainstream than that. So I think yes. it's an interesting observation. Yes, of course. And to me, I know, like I'm kind of uh, in the bridge between millennial and Gen Z. I don't know where you guys are at, somewhere up there, boomers or whatever. So gaming is very integrated. <laughs> Thank you for to, that. <laughs> it's very integrated to where we, uh, or my generation is, you know, it is mainstream already. But I think it's time that it gets, you know, we're growing up. We want to have nice homes too. We are getting our first home. So, well, it's only obvious that IKEA sees a business opportunity uh, in that uh, target group uh, as well. Conrad, what what you been up to? You're busy, always busy when I meet you on the street, you know, always on the go somewhere. <laughs> Thank you for that. No, yeah, I've been super busy. There's a lot going on sort of behind the scenes at Scandinavian Mind. We have a lot of uh, sort of projects that we are working on that we can't talk about yet so this is also a format i want to use to sort of announce some of the the, the collaborations that we actually are doing uh, but i just want to sort of uh, uh, humble brag about being interviewed in in sweden's biggest business daily recently doggins industry called me up to talk about something that we've been covering a lot in the scandinavian mind platform which is the metaverse um, so there's a lot of shatter about now many of the big fashion brands are uh, moving into uh, uh, the, the gaming space and the metaverse space. Uh, and I feel like this could be uh, an entirely uh, separate show about the metaverse. We should probably do that. But um, I think it's just a note to say that, that uh, the, the topic of the metaverse, which is sort of, uh, you know, broadly defined as digital environments, uh, not necessarily gaming, but digital environments where, where people can meet and interact, uh, is something that's going to uh, really blow up now. Facebook recently announced that they are going to see themselves as a metaverse company rather than a social media company. And uh, we see now um, uh, fashion brands like... Uh, Fortnite doing collaboration. I'm sorry, fashion brands like Balenciaga doing collaborations with with the likes of Fortnite. So there's a lot going on. Eric, maybe you can. Uh, do you remember some of the other examples? Because I know we wrote about this uh, recently, an article by Oliver Dahl, uh, one of our contributors. Uh, yeah, we did. He wrote about uh, that one, Balenciaga, Fortnite, and Fortnite has been this, you know, like common ground for <laughs> fashion brands to go. It seems like Fortnite has been. They were first at it and you have to give them credit for that. Um, I wrote about how Vans had like a Roblox um, uh, skate world kind of thing where you could buy Vans products and you can assign your, uh, your, your avatar to be a skater in Vans shoes and customized Vans hats and stuff. So Roblox are also doing great. But uh, back to the piece you talked about, Oliver also wrote about the Vogue talents uh, that originally got started in Italy in 2009, I think. They just want to lift talents across Europe, and they had like a, like a just like a, like a gaming experience in the, in your web browser. And I think he picked up I can't name them off the top of my head now, but seven or eight uh, brands that got to do an NFT show, and everyone got to design one person or one dress or one uh, jacket that was then up for NFT sale. And I know you guys have been talking about NFTs before. That's a whole other discussion about the yeah, metaverse there, too. There, there's so much brewing here. We have to move on, but I really feel we should do the big metaverse episode soon where we, where we discuss the definitions and what, what this means for, for fashion and lifestyle. There, there's so much going on there. Uh, yeah. But just a note to say, yeah, sure, Roland. Uh, and I think also, Eric, you brought that NFTs and I think that connects to blockchain. It connects to cryptocurrencies. 
Um, in Ethereum, one of the key currencies used for, for blockchain has gone up 800% in the past calendar year. I mean, there's a lot happening at the moment. Uh, a lot of the big institutions are buying Bitcoin as we speak. Um, the, the prices are surging. So, you know, I, I, I think there's also kind of an acceptance now by big institution banks, uh, even nations, that uh, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, the metaverse, et cetera, is, is something that is worth investing in. So definitely agree with you there. We should do a special show about this, 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 these new exciting things. Definitely. And just a note to say that the uh, uh, Vogue Talents uh, project was, I think, powered by the Dematerialized, yes. uh, which is a uh, digital fashion brand that we've been covering and actually had on the podcast before. So anyone who wants to go deep into that can go back in the feed and, and find that interview that I did with Dematerialized. Hey guys, we're going to move on with the show. Uh, this is Scandinavian Mind Weekly, where we go behind the scenes of uh, in the world of, of Scandinavian Mind. Um, I thought we'd take the, the time to talk about something that hasn't had the sort of airtime in, in uh, the pod feed. Uh, we did two cover stories for our last print issue launched in Stockholm uh, about a month ago. Um, and as everyone who follows us knows, we do a biannual print issue that lives for, for uh, six months. It's still out in stores, still uh, very much uh, current and, and uh, you know, you're able to, to buy it. So plug for that. Um, so I did one of the cover stories with artist Jakob Fellander. You've been able to hear him on the show. But the other cover story was an exclusive interview that we did with one of the most, I would say, the one, one of the most influential Swedish or Scandinavian personalities in the world of tech, and that is Isabel Olsson. Um, we've been getting a lot of positive feedback uh, about this story, and uh, I thought, Roland, since you were the one doing this interview, uh, I thought we'd try to revisit it a little bit here. Uh, what can you say about your, your talks with Isabel, and perhaps uh, just introduce her to the listeners? Sure, and you know, let, let's uh, stop talking about interviews and let's talk about conversations. <laughs> I, I think right. this is also how, how we approach, uh, I mean, all the people that we feature, right? This can even mind. We, we like to have equal conversations with, with, with a lot of interesting and successful people. And Isabel is very down to earth. I mean, she lives in California. She's Swedish, as you said, she has a background in design. She's currently head of, of design for, for, you could say, hardware. In short, she has a much longer uh, official title. It's a super uh, long title when you write yeah, it yeah. out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and she works at Google. Uh, and um, I, I think this connects also back to what, Eric, you brought up this kind of uh, whole, smart homes market, right, that IKEA is now penetrating heavily. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I need to actually read the figures here, but the global market is, is valued as of this year at $62 billion and is expected to double in the next four years. So it's, you know, it's, it's a market that is exploding. And uh, obviously, uh, Google has been um, uh, part of this, this journey for quite some time now with, uh, with different kind of smart home devices, hardware devices, and, and this is what basically Isabella is leading, the design of these uh, devices. And uh, I, I think it's quite interesting to observe um, how design, uh, the design language at Google has also changed in the last couple of years. So, you know, in the early stages, the, the devices that came out looked more or less like the rest of the devices on the market, uh, pretty bland, pretty neutral, anonymous, uh, white, black, or gray, or, you know, and 
looked kind of techy. Now uh, the devices coming out uh, look, have a much more design kind of um, uh, heavy presence. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of blend into the homes, the offices, uh, they use different kinds of materials, textile, colors, uh, and this is basically what Isabel is leading this work. Yeah, great. I mean, I thought it was a really uh, interesting conversation uh, that you had with her, and you really got into sort of the, the different aspects of, 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 of her work. She had a phrase that, that really stuck with me. She, she talked about rehearsing the future, that, that, was, that, like, that was her job. Uh, can mm. you say, say more about your, your conversations uh, on this topic? Yeah, and this, is, this connects back to the design process. And I, I think any designer or any creative person would recognize themselves here. And even business designers actually would recognize that, you know, in order to really truly understand uh, the users, the consumers, the stakeholders that you, you, you engage with or sell to, you need to understand how they live, how they breathe, what they think, uh, what media they consume, etc. And, the, and, and to understand that, I mean, you can do different things. You can do quantitative uh, kind of studies. Uh, but mainly what has been done for many, many years, obviously, is kind of these anthropological studies where you basically you, you live with the, the consumers. You, you, you might even stay at their homes for, for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, you, you, you eat breakfast with them, you go to work with them, etc. And you try to understand how they behave uh, and how they interact uh, with the devices that you might then design. Uh, and this is basically what, what we discussed and that, you know, obviously Google are doing the same. Uh, and this is all about then kind of rehearsing the future that, you know, by, by living with the consumers, by uh, truly understanding how, how they think about your products, then you are kind of rehearsing the future in brackets, you know, because um, the, the future we're talking about here is obviously in this context uh, launches new products, right? Uh, that will come in the future. Right, right. I mean, many people know Google as sort of this software, well, search company uh, at heart. Uh, what do you say, what, you know, what, what are the prospects of Google as hardware company? How much, are, how big and important is this for, for the company, do you think? I mean, I have no official figures, and uh, uh, even if it's a listed company uh, uh, under the name of Alphabet, that's the, the, the kind of the, the group, right, that Google is part of. Uh, I think it, uh, hardware and smart homes devices plays a huge role. And, and this is, you have to think about the ecosystem that Google is building up and uh, that Amazon is building up. They have Alexa. They also have the smart home devices. A lot of other companies on the market are, are, are offering the same thing. Uh, and it's all about the ecosystem. You want actually to be part of the consumer's uh, life 24-7. Uh, and uh, if we think about, you know, the, the core original product of Google, which is search, I mean, today Google are uh, basically uh, an advertising company, you could say, if, if I'm a bit mean, right? Yes. yes. Um, uh, but... At the end of the day, you know, they offer a service uh, to consumers such as you and me, and they, they want to uh, interact with us through any device, anywhere, at any time. So that, that's how you have to think about these products. Uh, and I, I mean, this is just the beginning. Um, I, I think uh, we, we also will see a future which is device-less, 
Uh, and this is something I tried to touch upon with Isabel. Obviously, hard for her to maybe <clears throat> have some official comments about. And also, her role is actually to design devices. Uh, <laughs> basically, you know, when I approached this topic, I was approaching a topic where I said, okay, but if you are a designer of hardware, and if we are moving towards a hardware, um, a, a, a future with no hardware, which is deviceless, how will you, what, what will be your role? Uh, hard for her to kind of answer, but I think in all honesty, from a Scandinavian mind perspective, this is what we need to think about. Uh, how will the world look like with no hardware? Well, I, I, this is super interesting. It really goes to the, the tagline, bridging lifestyle and technology, right? So where, do, where does the, these two worlds meet? Mm -hmm. I find it fascinating that it's kind of like a polarizing thing. You know, we, we consider these big tech companies as, as software companies, they're, they're technology that exists uh, uh, in the cloud and so forth. But they are actually, you know, for them to exist, they need to be uh, become hardware companies. We see Facebook uh, uh, bought Oculus Rift, and that's why they're talking so much about being a metaverse company. They're really betting heavy on uh, VR. Uh, so I think, you know, talking about deviceless, there's for sure something happening where we interact with technology, with audio, and other uh, uh, in other ways, just than than the this phone that we have sort of glued to our, our the palms of our hands. Uh, uh, which we, you know, for better or for worse. So there's something happening there that's like, you know, I, obviously it's never ever going to be device less, uh, but it's going to be uh, different kinds of devices. I think the, the, the speaker speaks, I'm sorry, pun intended, the speaker speaks to about this as well. Yeah, but Colin, I think it depends who you ask. I mean, if you ask uh, Elon Musk and his visions, uh, he, he would definitely like, uh, definitely like to connect us, um, you know, in, in a device-less way to, to the internet. And, and uh, obviously that's kind of um, utopian, dystopian, depending on the view you have on this. But I agree with you, yes. Um, it's going to take years before we see kind of a device-less environment. Uh, and before we do that, uh, we, we're going to see the, the, the connection of everything. So, you know, the whole IUT space, Internet of Things space is, is, um, uh, is exploding. And that's where you have... You know, we talk about ecosystems here. You have to think about the smart home devices, the, the, the 60 billion market as part of an even bigger market, which is the whole IoT space where we connect everything. I mean, from actually the nuts and bolts um, in, in the manufacturing space, they are going to be connected and are already today. Trees are going to be connected. Everything is going to be connected. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Which is a great segue into our next topic because we're going to talk about mobility, we're going to talk about cars, and also a topic that lies close to our hearts at Scandinavian Mind. Because you know, I, I, first, I think just because we are nerds and we are interested in it, uh, it's also uh, an area where the notion of bridging lifestyle technology is really strong and heavy. And one of the brands that we've been sort of keeping an eye on for a long time is Link and Co. Uh, a car brand, mobility brand, uh, the grown out of Volvo. And uh, Eric, you recently visited one of their uh, sort of flagship uh, concepts in Amsterdam, right? We have a film up on our website so you can see that. So I just want to hear your, your impressions about this, this retail space that they've opened. Hopefully I will go to Amsterdam soon. This was Antwerp in Belgium. 
but we'll see. I'll, uh, let you see how how present uh, of an editor I am. Sorry about that. No, but I could get used to get flown out like that. That was amazing for me. It was a you know a personal feat because I never I'm, I'm new to this, so it was very nice to get flown out there and get wined and dined and. I'm gonna to try to keep myself very, you know, yeah, critical, yeah. Here, not just all. <laughs> I've, I've had my second thoughts about that. I'm creating a monster now with Eric as being growing into a, a, a full-blown editor and one of our best writers. He, of course, is going to be flown around <laughs> to places. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, hopefully, that will provide good content for this show at least. So yeah, continue. exactly. And uh, they did. I did take some stuff home with me. Uh, I think Lincoln Co. Uh, for those who don't know. They're trying to revolutionize the car industry. They want to see themselves as a mobility brand rather than a car brand, which I guess they're doing in a way. And uh, the reason I got flown out there to Antwerp is because they had this vastly different way of approaching car dealerships. Usually a car dealership would be outside of town in these huge halls. You know, we've all been to them. But these ones, the Lincoln Co., they call, they call their car dealership the club. So they have clubs downtown in the cities they have. They have clubs in three cities now, I think. And Antwerp was the third one that they opened, that I went to. So it's, they only have one car on show in the whole car dealership. They have a bar, they have some cool uh, clothes from local designers you can buy. They have skincare products and they have like a co-working space. So it's supposed to get people to meet and greet or whatever, not really to go and look at cars because they want to be this mobility brand. And uh, I think they're onto something, actually. Um, and I was going to ask you, Roland, you got like an email a couple of weeks ago that you had your car ready for pickup, or there was. Yeah, right? exactly. And I, I forgot about that, that I actually <laughs> already have the cars I need. So I, I just said, oh, can, can, can I postpone my, my pickup for <laughs> a year or so? But I, I like the model. I mean, it, it's kind of a car subscription model, basically. Um, so I and I, I and I see other brands doing the same thing, and and actually this dealership um, issue that you're talking about, I think Volvo has uh, announced that they are cutting uh, all the dealers, official dealers, uh, in the next couple of years, and that they are only going to focus on uh, direct consumer sales uh, through their own showrooms and, and uh, basically buying online, and maybe then. Link and Co can can be kind of the front runners in experimenting with this this model. I don't know what what do you think? Uh, exactly. And I know they told me uh, when I was there. They told me how they have this platform. You know, let's say you have a car, you get your car, you can park it on the street, and you can download an app and say my Link and Co cars for it's available for anyone to use if, if for everyone that has the, the, the app. So then you can choose the price. Like let's say you can have it for. 500 euros and you can have it for one month you can get the money back and i get to drive your car even though i don't have one and that's kind of interesting i think and i know they told me that they didn't want to say they say other german car brands <laughs> were looking into this app uh, platform thing so i think some people are picking that up so you can share a car because you know what is owning a car i'm not sure if that's really going to be uh, first, first of all, sustainable. I don't know if it's going to be a thing of the future. I think people want to share as much as they can. Since yeah, we're closer and closer. Um, I mean, if we disregard the sustainability aspect, the environmental aspect, let's say, um, at least for, for, for us oldies growing up and still like, a car is kind of an extension of yourself, your brand. It's kind of, you can even socially position yourself with the kind of car you drive, etc. 
how important or not is that for you and your, your friends, your generation? It's a great <laughs> gap between us now. <laughs> I think I think Lincoln Co. are onto something here because ownership for my generation, for I don't know anyone who owns a car, you know, and it's a funny story. My grandma, may she rest in peace, uh, she was really like my dad, my parents, they live in uh, downtown Stockholm and they just, just decided like, let's not have a car. Why do we need one? And she was, she's from an even older generation and you guys, believe it or not. And she was like, oh, you're not going to have a car. Oh, that's not cool. How, what are people going to think? What are they going to say? Like you said, it's a sign of status. It's a sign of, you know, uh, yeah, status. So, and my parents were like, no, we don't need it. So I think we're growing up with that same mentality. And if you just look at all the car commercials for the last 20 years, the things I've seen growing up is just a car, you know, in like this urban environment, your skyscraper is reflecting off the sunroof and the windshield. They do an aggressive swift turn and then they go out to like some nature place, you know, maybe like the mountains or woods. And then they zoom out and you have like this, I would say cheesy tagline, then like the, uh, the car brand coming up. And, you know, I think that's what we think. We want to have a car to go, to the summer house, we want to have a car to go and do stuff. We don't want to own it. So I think Lincoln Co. is onto something here. Car brands have been doing this. They're selling the car. Like, look at the experience you can have. We're not really, well, I'm not, I can't speak for my whole generation, but I'm not really looking into having the car outside. Oh, that's my car. I'm not using what I want. I want to have something like an experience, like mobility rather. So I guess Lincoln Co., they kind of, I think they're onto something. I guess yeah, I think I, this yeah, goes sorry. to the heart. This goes to the heart of what this is about, and and we see different. Obviously, Volvo is investing in this in various ways. They also have a concept called M, which is a similar kind of rent a car type uh, uh, service with the actual Volvo cars. Lincoln Co is its own car brand, uh, even though it's based off of the uh, one of the the the, the Volvo platforms. Uh, what I'm curious about, since you have visited this club. And I haven't seen it. I've, I've seen pictures of it. We've written about it before. Um, and to be a little bit, let, let's, let's analyze this a bit because, you know, there's something about this concept that feels very much uh, almost like makeup on this sort of car service. What was your impression? Because I, I, I'm sorry, I've, I've learned, we've talked about this before. I've interviewed the, the CEO also. There's something about the notion of young people getting into a club that is created by a car brand that seems unreal to me. That, that's not really going to happen. It, it, it just feels like a, another way to do a car showroom. Did you get a sense that this was like a cool place where people will actually hang out? Well, uh, it's a good point. I know the grand opening, you know, they invited all of Antwerp's coolest influencers and, you know, they were all there and taking pictures of the cars. But I'm not sure they will have that, you know, organic traction. I'm not sure. Uh, like you said, I'm quite critical as well. Time will tell if they can pull it off. But I, having these clubs, I think that's kind of like a gimmick. That's kind of, you know, PR, getting people there. I was there. I was, you know, doing a reportage about it. But I'm not sure. You know, Alain Visser, the CEO that I interviewed, he said, like, oh, we're going to have stand-up clubs. We're going to have, like, DJ sessions. We're going to have book clubs. I'm not sure you're going to go to a car brand club to do that. I'm just being honest. Yeah, well, the, I only do like... way, yeah, the only way they can do that is by paying themselves into that space. I, I've, yeah. I have a hard time feeling that that's going to happen organically. But I'm sure if they pay like stand-up comedians to come there every week that have a great following, people will go. But then that, that's just an added sort of marketing cost. And, and I think the jury is still out on these sort of club experiences. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Roland, what do you think? 
Uh, I'm sitting here thinking that uh, I, I would maybe have invested in a partnership with Lincoln Co. and Soho House or something like that. You know, that you, you already have an established club. Let's say Soho House is a member club, uh, global one for the creative industries. They have physical houses. Um, they have a lot of content. They have online platforms. They have thousands of members. And that would have been, let's say, an easier way for Lincoln Co. to reach this creative crowd that they are trying to reach themselves right uh, and and you talk about mobility here you know you want to go from a to b and i think <clears throat> partnering up with so house or any other members club uh, makes sense right i mean you visit these clubs when you're traveling uh, either in business or in pleasure and and then, or in the weekends uh, at your leisure you know and kind of moving from a to b then makes sense and 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 having this kind of fleet of cars that are uh, you know official partners why not i don't know i'm just an idea that came up here Conrad. um i, I agree with you it, it feels a bit um uh, forced <laughs> that's the word um, i can yeah, add I to that i think uh, if if you invite a bunch of students to watch some comedy on a friday <laughs> a comedy stand-up on a friday night they're not gonna book a test drive the day after or like the same night that's not really out to get them. I think the target audience are young people, creative, cooler people. I'm not sure if they're going to show up to well, students that might be cool and young, but I don't think they have the money if they're going to like a stand-up club too. I'm not sure. I think you're on something there. I think they have to choose where to, where to showcase the car. Okay. And listen, I, yeah. sorry, I have an observation just um, from, I mean, this is <laughs> not a very super, not a super professional observation, but uh, I have some friends and acquaintances that have signed up to Lincoln Co. And they are um, uh, families with small children and they are attracted by the price point. Exactly. That was, I was going to get to that as well. I think that they have a, a, an attractive service. Perhaps everything else is just, uh, you know, framing and branding and getting a cool vibe of it. And, and perhaps young families with kids like to feel that they, they kind of visited a, a Soho house type space and that gives them a, a, a great feeling in the stomach and they'll sign up for the service. Uh, anyways, Alain Visser, if you're listening to this, you're always welcome to uh, come to Scandinavian Mind for, for uh, product development and brand advice. We'll be happy to, to uh, uh, service, service the development of Lincoln Co. We, we really enjoy what you're doing. Um, moving on, I think we said we're going to try to, to cap this at about 30 minutes. I think we're, we're already uh, over that, and which speaks to the necessity of, of this new podcast format. So just a note to say at the end uh, that Scandinavian Mind is going to Dubai. Uh, as we have uh, announced earlier this spring, we ha have a partnership with the Swedish participation at the Global uh, World Expo in Dubai. Expo 2020 Dubai, as it's called. And I'm traveling down there with uh, Eric uh, on Saturday, on uh, Sunday, Monday, and uh, Tuesday, we will be hosting events during Space Week. Uh, I'm super excited about this. And I realized since uh, I wanted to talk about this, there's not much to talk about right now. I think we have more to talk about next week, uh, but, but there's, uh, I think, excitement brewing about what we have in store uh, with the Expo. On that. I have an idea. Yes. We need to get Eric into space. I think that would be the ultimate uh, end goal for Eric Sedin, who is ultimately <laughs> responsible for our mobility uh, coverage. Uh, uh, what do you say, Eric? Would you like to go to space? Yeah, of course. 
I was going to say, the sole reason I'm going is to like network and mingle and get myself on top of the Mars list. You know, I want to be on that first shot. Oh, you want to go to Mars? Okay. Of course. <laughs> Well, I think, Eric, it's also your job to go. So, I mean, first and foremost, you have to help me with the event. But uh, I like the sentiment. Um, uh, you know, previously in this podcast feed, we interviewed uh, Cecilia Hartz, which is the program manager for, for the Space Week. Um, uh, I think there's some exciting things happening in the space space. Sorry, I'm, I'm keep doing this in this episode. Um, and it's also a note to say that Sweden is actually engaged in this. We have our own space agency. We will be seeing our own uh, uh, astronaut, Christer Fugelsang. I think I'm the most excited about that, doing the Me selfie too. with Christer, right? That's big. Uh, but also, I'm very excited to see how the expo uh, uh, will, uh, what's the experience going to be down there? You know, obviously, Expo is one of these big tentpole events that was postponed by the pandemic. They just opened on October 1st. It's going to run until March next year. And we have a partnership with, with the Swedish participation around several uh, um, talks and, and concepts down there. But I think there's been a lot of hesitation around what a big physical event like this is going to be. It's 192 countries from, you know, uh, coming together. Uh, to do business in the physical form. Uh, the first reports I'm having is that there are actually people on the ground. There are actually people, you know, visitors, pretty busy in, in, the, in the pavilions. Uh, but if they're going to reach the target of 25 million visitors, it's, I think it's anyone's guess. Let's see. Uh, it's going to be exciting uh, discussion next, uh, in the next weekly then. Yeah, I, th I, I think so. And... Um, yeah, I think this was this was good fun. Scandinavian Mind Weekly. We I think we've proven that this is a format that we need in the Scandinavian Mind platform. Uh, I think we've. I feel like we could go on for another thirty minutes, but let's just save our energy for next week. Uh, Roland, Erik, uh, thanks guys for for uh, popping in. Yeah, thanks, thanks. guys, and uh, have a safe trip. Yeah, see you in space. See you on Mars. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you like what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.